Hello, everyone, and welcome to the King Gamer Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Callahan, and we have a great episode for you guys today. Please welcome back to the show, Noah Rosenfall. Noah, how you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, Mark? I'm good. I heard everyone's request about my Mr. Magoo glasses, so I'm going in blind, both fickly and literally. <laughs> But thankfully, we have someone else in the panel who has glasses on and won't be blind as me, Daniel Boy. Daniel, how you doing? I'm okay, Mark. How are you? Can, can you see okay? Are you good? Have you got your contacts on? Yes, but they're like yeah. on the edge of breaking, but I just ordered <laughs> new contacts, so they're they're arriving soon. But these, uh, like my left one, actually has like a little tear on the edge of it, so... Who knows what's gonna happen I, on this podcast? I don't wear I don't wear contacts, man. They scare me. Like I've heard stories about people getting contacts lost on their eyeball and stuff, and I'm like, that's that's not happening to me. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm not digging about my socket for a contact lens. But yet again, do I have to clean my glasses? No, just plastic <laughs> is stuck in my eye. I'll take it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm Noah. I'm no, definitely kind of guy that would fall asleep with contacts in as well, which I know is a no-no. So. Oh, bad. I have done that quite a bit. It's not fun. Noah, do you have uh, glasses, contacts, or is your eyes perfect as your voice? I have glasses that I wear for reading and for driving, but I don't need them to see, like, all the time. Uh, I was about to say, like, yes, I did tell the story last week about my eye doctor. He's still a jerk. But you know who's not a jerk? This podcast, horrible transition, but I had to get back on track. We have a great episode for you guys today. We'll be talking all about the big launch of the PlayStation Plus tiers. Coming about two, three weeks, I believe. Whole list of games, including Ubisoft Plus coming to PlayStation and Xbox in their future. God of War Ragnarok possibly coming this year. With a big news story that happened this week. And then we'll be talking about the best villains in gaming. But before we get to all that, Noah, you finally did it. You finally did it and you're playing Bug Snacks. Noah, please don't disappoint me. Do you like Bug Snacks? Uh, you know, I do. I, I was in the mood for kind of a simpler game. Yeah, it's now they kind of have a feel for it. I, like, it, I'm doing pretty well. I'm. I found, I went through the tutorial with that Wambus guy, and I was like, okay, this is all right. And I found this beach, and I got some people to go back to the village. I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting how this works. I just kind of wish there were quest markers. That's true, but it's not like a, a Breath of the Wild or Elden Ring. It's like, it's not like, wait, where am I going? Right, At it's least simple enough to find your way around. Exactly. And do you have Xbox uh, One or Series X? Series X. The loading times, I didn't even realize because that was the first game I played for PlayStation 5 besides Astro Playroom. And then looking at like the older generations, like the loading times, it's just like takes a bit. So at least when you're like trying to travel, like trying to find your quests, you don't have to wait for that like, all right, loading 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 and good mm. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. 
Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite bug snacks? Uh, let's see. I, I like shish kebab. Uh, shish kebab. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, he's kind of funny. I, I like uh, I like the guy in in the little ball that, that I have to like smear stuff on and use to lure things out. That's fun. It's a cute, innocent voice, like Scrappy, 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 Scrappy. Yeah, exactly. Like I, like, and they don't like. Kind of wish that they had done some kind of funny animation when they're being being eaten, like, like a, you know, like our cannabis, like yeah, oh, no, and bug snack gone. <laughs> Do you like bunger? Yeah, the bunger, the bungers are fun. Actually, let me just say this. Dan, do you know what we're talking about with Bug Snacks? I saw the lunch trailer, but I have no idea what this game is. Um, are you are you a bug that gets eaten? Or are you a bug that eats stuff? Or are you some sort of alien entity that is that is called a bug snack? Is, is the singular of bug snacks bug snack? Or is it still bug snacks? Because <laughs> you asked Noah, what's your favorite bug snacks? And I assumed that was going to be a plural answer, but apparently not. <laughs> What's what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so bug snacks is basically mm. like it's not even like humans. It's like these uh, like creatures, like you and I. Just so this island of bug snacks, it's like basically like um, imagine. So it's like a bug and a snack, like French fries, <laughs> burgers uh strawberries right. combined so i forget the name of this bug snack so it's like imagine if a spider instead of its legs were french fries right okay got you and bunger is just like this like little bug that is in shape of a burger sure and it's basically like if that it's like pokemon right so you collect them you collect them and then you eat them Okay, don't worry that. Don't worry that bit. Pokemon Ash is chewing down on Pikachu. Like I don't remember that part. I haven't watched the recent uh, season, but I, I thought that was gonna happen. Spit and Squirtle and just get a barbecue sauce. And... So if I eat like the bunger, the burger snack, mm. you can uh, well not me, but like any of the people in your village. You can uh, replace their one of her body parts with that, like, into a burger. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. So it is a heartwarming, funny, innocent, drama, scary game. Mm. I'm not even um, exaggerating. Who? So who? Uh, the person eating the bug stack and growing burger limbs are they human to start with? So it, as on Earth. No, I mean, there's no, like, humans. They look like... Um, right, okay. They look like they're from Monsters, Inc., kind of. See, so that's some a much better comparison. I was going to say Teletubbies, because I couldn't think of anything. So it's some yeah, sort of like, alien planet? Or... I, I don't... I, it's, I guess it's, like, kid, <laughs> kids' be. fantasy fi fiction kind of thing. Like, like to me, like, that that reporter you meet who sends you to, to Bug Snacks Isle, like, your mm -hmm. boss, I was like, this is so much like that slug lady from Monsters, Inc. And that's what made me mm -hmm. think of yeah. it. Huh? Yeah. So that is on... Wait, so did you buy the game, or did you 
finally get a Game Pass back. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm playing it through the cloud. It's Game Pass. Nice. And not to jump ahead to the PlayStation, but I'm surprised Bug Snacks wasn't on the list. But hey, you never know in the future. <laughs> so Noah, was I right about Bug Snacks? Yeah, you were right about Bug Snacks. Hashtag Mark was right. I just <laughs> want to end the podcast right now, just end on a high note. <laughs> Just check us out on KingGamer.com. That's it. Give us five stars. Bye. No. But, Daniel, if you don't know, I, I'm i obsessed with Bug Snacks. I think it's one of the best games I've ever played. One of the best indie games I've ever played. Probably the best. It's the same uh, developers who made uh, Octodad. Right. Okay. I must admit, I was pretty indifferent about it up until coming out of this podcast. And hearing you talking about it has made me want to check it out. So. And it's a short game. Like if you do all the stuff, it'll take about like like all one hundred percent stuff, like twelve to fourteen hours, which isn't that bad. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely enjoyable. But Noah, do you want to add anything else about Bug Snacks before I do? Well, I, <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't say it's the best game I've ever played. Like like thinking like is this better than Skyrim? How dare you? Yeah, I I'm, mean, I'm it kind of is like Skyrim. <laughs> Except you just can't shout. Yeah, there's no shouting. You, I mean, I mean, uh, it's kind of like uh, Namira's per personal game. You eating stuff. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Skyrim nerds. Namira is like the Daedric prince of cannibalism and stuff like that. Now, just imagine if Bethesda develops bug snacks instead. <laughs> Hey, wouldn't be as lighthearted. I also wouldn't run as well. <laughs> yeah. Buck Snacks 76. <laughs> Actually, note to self, mod for Fallout 4, replace enemies with Buck Snacks. <laughs> I'd download that one. You see, it would be a lot better. It's a good game, <laughs> but this would have been game of the year. <laughs> I like the idea that you were writing the review going, this is a decent game, but do you know what would make it better? Buck snacks. <laughs> some, <laughs> some french fry spiders. <laughs> Thank you. And it has this little creature, like this little tiny thing, it's Shrosby. And they're also like Pokemon, because they just repeat their name, so yeah. Bunger mm. has like a to best describe it, a dopey voice, so it'd be like, Bunger! Bunger, 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 Bunger. Right. Just like Pokemon, see... except you don't eat the Pokemon yet. <laughs> I'm surprised no one has eaten a Pokemon. I'm surprised there's not a mod for a Pokemon game where you can just start eating Pokemon. <laughs> One of these. Note to self, mod for <laughs> new Scarlet and Violet. Eat Pokemon. Alright, so Daniel, you have been playing Sniper Elite 5, which sounds like a made-up game to appease my masculine friends. <laughs> Just kidding. You're, I don't have any friends. You're the fifth Elite okay. Sniper. Um, <laughs> yeah, Keen Gamer were kind enough to get me this review copy for Sniper Elite 5 because it's not out until Thursday of this week. Um, I don't know if that'll... This, this podcast will probably up before Thursday. So the game comes out this Thursday. 
Um, and I plan to have my review written and on the website for that day. Um, I think the embargo lifts on Wednesday, so the review will either go up Wednesday or Thursday. But um, yeah, I don't want to say too much about it because I'm reviewing it, but I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I've been a fan of the Sniper Elite games for a while. I, I really enjoy Sniper Elite 4. And what's nice is those games, they've always been a wee bit janky in some sections. And the technology is kind of catching up with the, the rest of the game. Like the fun part of the game has always been the sniping. Sniping a Nazi from, you know, metres away, thousands of metres away, that, that eyeball pop, you know, the X-ray camera and stuff. It's always been super satisfying. But now you've actually got some decent traversal. You've got some decent kind of voice acting. You've got some more kind of close quarters gameplay, which was always lacking in the past games. The graphics are still not the best looking game you've ever seen, but they're a wee bit more up to the standard that you would expect, you know, in 2022. So it's quite nice. Sniper Elite 5 just seems to have elevated a lot of the other factors that were maybe lacking in the other games. Um, still not a perfect game. It's obviously still an early copy. As I said, the game's not out yet, but I have run, a I have run across a few glitches and stuff. Nothing game-breaking, just a few visual glitches clipping through walls and stuff. But um, it's fun. Um, I, I don't really know what else to say other than it never gets old. You know, sniping a Nazi from a thousand yards away with, without him seeing, you know, just popping the back of his head. And then that, that kill cam that the Sniper Elite games is famous for, the X-ray cam, they've really went, and on that hard in this game because now you can you know, it's always been in slow motion but you can now slow it down even more so like you've got 100% slow motion and then you can slow it down to zero and the bullet will just kind of crawl and then you can just slowly see it enter the Nazi's head and then pass through his brain you can spin the camera around for a better view for the exit wind and stuff like it's just super gory in depth Nazi killing but it's it's fun it's satisfying it's super cathartic yeah it's great cathartic yeah, oh yes, killing Nazis is cathartic. There's nothing wrong with that, right? They're Nazis, it's fine. <laughs> oh, but if you want to kill baby Hitler, everyone has a problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These guys knew that what they were doing when they signed up. These digital characters, so it's fine. <laughs> that's true. But, so that's coming out. Uh, is it just on Steam? What platforms is it coming out? It's coming out, uh, as far as I know, to Xbox, PlayStation, and Steam. Um, I did request a PC copy, but it wasn't able. We weren't able to get it, so I'm playing it on PS4. But it is coming to PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. And it probably and it does it run well on PlayStation. It does. Uh, PS4 has been running okay. The only, as I said, the only kind of lacking thing has been some of those visual glitches. But I feel like they would be on any platform. I don't think that's because it's PS4. I think that's just because the game's not been updated yet and, and sort of had a patch. Um, but the only thing, the loading times are not excruciating, but you know, there's loading screens in the PS4 version, which you obviously wouldn't have on Steam if you get an SSD or, or on PS5. Um, but no, it's, it's great. It's fun. And it looks, as I said, not the best looking game I've ever seen, but it, it looks decent. The, the lighting effects are pretty good. And, you know, the, the kill cam, the, the kind of the bone shattering inside the Nazi's leg or the brain, you know, <laughs> exploding inside his head. Like, all that looks good enough. So, yeah, it's great. Again, very hyper-masculine. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you play as Carl Fairburn, who is... Like, he's not quite as cartoon manly man as BG Blazkowicz, but he's not far off. You know, he's very much like, let's go kill Nazis. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's... Like I said, they're Nazis, so it's not as if you're going to side against them. <laughs> 
and not to spoil your uh, review because everyone should check it out. Probably this episode will be up Tuesday or Wednesday, so it, it should be up. So check it out at kingdamer.com. Is it above a seven review score wise? Um, I've not decided yet. I think at this point in time, if you were asking me right now, having only played the first, I think I played the first three missions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe around a seven or an eight at the minute, but okay, I'm not even I'm not even halfway through the game yet, so I think that could all change for better or worse. So, but yeah, fair enough. We'll see. Anything else you want to add? No, just it's 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 great fun. Um, I, I can't wait. I often when I'm on the way home from work, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get home and pop some Nazi skulls. So it's nice just to have that in your life again. <laughs> again, how 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 often have you killed <laughs> Nazis in your life? I mean, Wolfenstein, you know, Cyber Elite 4, um, <laughs> Call of Duty, just things like that. Fair enough. <laughs> well, hey, at least they're Nazis. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. All right. And so rounding up to the games that we are playing, I've been playing the 2016 Ratchet and Clank. Nice. So I kind of, I, I don't want to say forgot about this game. So I've never really played a Ratchet and Clank before ever and we talked about it last week uh when mark heaver was on of how he now has playstation 4 so he has like this huge backlog of games and ratchet clank is one of those games for me personally but i'm like why did i stop playing so january i started playing it because it's on the playstation plus collection if you have playstation 5 like they catalog like 10 or 20 different PlayStation 4 games of like, hey, this is the experience. And that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why did I stop playing? I was like, oh, that's right. Horizon Forbidden West, Elden Ring, Kirby, a Pokemon. Everything just came out. And I was like, oh, oh, oops. But I'm surprised like how easy it is just to jump back in it. And now I'm like full on obsessed and addicted with it. And I'm really considering, man, should I play the past Ratchet and Clank games? Well, it's a reboot, right? So you can exactly. kind of start from there, I reckon. And it's not like a... I mean, yeah, of course, there's story. And it's a very funny, like, simple story. Because if you don't know, this game came around the same time they did the movie Ratchet and Clank. I saw the movie Ratchet and Clank. It was... Eh, 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 eh. Yeah. Yeah. The best thing, the best thing about the game, in my opinion, is that it feels like, ironically, it feels more like a Pixar movie than a game. You know, and that that's that's why I was really impressed by it at the time. I remember thinking, this is the closest I've ever felt to playing through a Pixar movie. Was that and first that's, Ratchet and game? And that's how I felt like playing it. I'm like, oh my god, this feels like a Pixar, DreamWorks, Blue Sky kind of feel to it. Mm. And it's not like this game has, like, I mean, a decent amount of heart. Like, Ratchet & Clank is not the first 10 minutes of Up. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's still, like, very fun, enjoyable, actually pretty funny. And, of course, you get the voices from actually, like, the movie, so it's always nice to, you know, hear John Goodman. Mm. Always underrated in my eyes, but so not to jump at okay, even though it's gonna come up next. I was really hoping Rift Apart was gonna be part of the PlayStation Plus 
I feel like it will someday. So I'm going to hold mm. off buying the game. But man, I just want to jump all into Ration Clank because I feel like we're still in backlog season. Even though there's some games coming up like via Quarry coming up June 10th. Yes. So still some fun games coming up, but I'm so happy you discovered Ration Clank. Yeah, um, so that, that first Ratchet & Clank game, that came to PS Plus, so I assume, as you're saying, Mark, I'm pretty sure the sequel will as well. Um, but yeah, what what that, that game was so impressive at the time with the particle effects. Remember all the particle effects being really detailed and really impressive. And I also liked how they changed some of the dynamic between Ratchet & Clank. If you've played the original on PS2, they were way more kind of bitter and cold towards each other. Um, there was way more animosity between them and Clank was really quite mean to Ratchet and vice versa. Whereas in this one, it's way more lighthearted and it's way more, there's more camaraderie between them. And if there is any kind of animosity, it's not, I don't know, there's not this mean tinge to it that the original had. Like they've definitely made it more tailored to kids, I guess, and more kind of palatable. Um, like I remember, I remember back in the day, both those characters been really, really quite mean to each other. Um, so yeah, they've definitely kind of softened that in, in the reboot. And I've not checked out Rift Apart yet, but I know that they really kind of pushed the technology when it came to like the the rifts opening, um, losing losing different environments kind of on the fly and stuff. So I'm excited to check that out as well. And if anyone like who's like, there's a lot of people that I know in my life and just in the industry that says like right now. Rift Apart is the best PlayStation 5 game. Not only with first party, but just on that platform. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I want to play it. Mm, yeah. Which is why I wanted to play Ratchet and Clank in the first place. So all works out. So that concludes the games that we are playing right now. So let's just jump into the news. And man, this is a PlayStation Plus week. Or... PlayStation Plus is the big thing of a huge PlayStation game coming up, but so we've been talking about it. I feel like since I was on this podcast last year of like, what's PlayStation's answer to Game Pass and PlayStation Plus, even though I hate the name, I wish they just called it Spartan, but they announced all these different tiers and it's like, okay, but what's coming on the platform? You only gave us a couple of things and Last Monday, they gave us a bunch of games coming out. So if you don't know the tiers, so we have the Essential, which is just normal PlayStation Plus. You get your free games, two to three each month, and you get to play online. Then you have Extra. You can play a catalog of PlayStation 4 and 5 games. And then you have the Premium Play one two three playstation three games wait let me phrase that playstation one playstation two playstation three games i didn't mean like yeah you know what i mean and game trials and i think one other thing but i'm forgetting so just listen to the list of games in the extra and this is just first party we have death stranding director's cut we have Ghost of Shima Director's Cut. We got Gravity Rush 2. We got God of War. We got both Spider-Man games that came out for PlayStation 4. We have the Uncharted games. We have Until Dawn. We have Returnal. And then we have 
third-party games like Assassin's Creed, which we'll talk about in a different story. We have Red Dead 2. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, tons of stuff. Dan, I'm assuming, of course, you have a PlayStation. What's your thoughts on this? So, I'm honestly not that impressed. I... I'll take these games being included, things like Guardians and stuff that I've not played yet. Happy to sort of get in for, not for free, but for part of this. But, I mean, the so in terms of the price tiers, the premium version, which is the one where you can play PS1 games, classics, etc., is double the price of the Essential version. So the Essential version is $60, then the Extra version is 90 and then the Premium version, which includes the Classic Games, is $120. So that's double the, the base price. For that, I would like to see them including the promise of when the next big um, exclusive comes out, it will also come to this service. You know, like, like God of War Ragnarok or whatever the hell the next big game is going to be. Um, even recent games kind of PlayStation exclusives like Horizon Forbidden West and what's it called? Uh, the Tokyo Ghostwire. They aren't on it. So it just seems odd that like Game Pass to me is still the better deal. Like it's less money. You're getting brand new games. This to me isn't that sort of Game Pass. Like this to me, maybe I'm just being cynical and maybe I'll feel different when, because I probably will get this and even though I'm moaning about the price, I probably will pay it. But and I, I might feel different, you know, once I'm actually, I've got my hands on it. But at the minute, it kind of just feels like Sony have just found a way to monetize backwards compatibility. And that was kind of, that was what I never really enjoyed about um, PlayStation, what's it called? Access or whatever. What, what's, what's it called at the minute? Um, PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Now. Um, that, that's what I've always kind of not enjoyed about PlayStation Now, the idea that, I this game you bought 20 years ago, that you could walk into a game shop and buy on the old console for, Less than a fiver, we are charged. You know, we are charging you a premium to play it. Like I've, I've, I've always found that a bit shady, and the idea that this is just really an expanded version of that, and it's not really an answer to Game Pass, I, I was a bit deflated by it, to be honest. Fair enough. And just to give you the prices, so Essential is still the same as standard PlayStation Plus, with extra, and this is all American uh, dollars. It costs fifteen per month, forty per quarter and then 100 per year and then the premium is 18 per month 50 per quarter and 120 per year so going back to like <clears throat> the ratchet and clank like i haven't played a lot of these games in the extra tier so that kind of like i get it for someone who has always played playstation this kind of feels like oh shrug like this is this is it but I'm like, oh, I want to play these games that would be like at least on sale, like 30, 40 bucks. So coughing up about five or eight extra a month, I'm okay with that one. I think the big selling point of this is convenience. Like, like I'm saying, sure, you can save yourself money. If you can buy a PS2 on eBay or something and buy a few cheap games, you can play what's on this list for a lot cheaper than what they're asking for. But you would need to go to the trouble of finding an old TV that you can plug your PS2 into or buying an adapter for SCART to HDMI and then, you know, hooking it all up and then make sure the game, the old game is any scratches on it. And then, you know, there's just, 
it's the convenience that's going to sell people, I think, on this, and that's the main reason I would buy it, because if you've got a PS5 or whatever, and you're like, do you know what, I just want this one console underneath my TV, I don't want a shit ton of wires coming out, like, I just want to play old games in the easiest way, then that's that's who this is for, I guess. And it's funny, because, like, the extra, I'm all in. The premium? Uh, let's... I, I don't know just yet because I'm looking at the list of like the classic games. I'm like, oh, eh. they are promising there's more coming though, right? Even though the that is true. Yeah, there is more coming, and I believe they'll have like one final push, not for like the extra because I feel like they just unveiled a lot of that. I can't really think of any game. I I mean. I don't think it would happen, but I feel like in the extra tier, they're like, hey, Horizon Forbidden West is coming. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen, but I feel like they're going to announce a lot more premium games to get that old, uh, the people who love the classic games, like on board with that one. Well, that's, I'm kind of, what you said there about the extra tier, I'm kind of the opposite. I kind of feel like, obviously, the now we're paying for what is the, what's going to be the essential tier going forward. If I'm going to be paying extra, I would, I'm probably just going to pay for the premium version. You know, if you're going to up my up my outgoing cost, then I might as well, like instead of jumping up half a step, I might as well just double it and go all in. But maybe that's just me. That's true. I would probably buy. I mean, it's a uh, one twenty. I just said one twenty per year, which yeah, uh, it, it fits my budget. So why not? And by the way, the gaming trials that are coming at launch is. The Uncharted Collection, Horizon Forbidden West, Farming Simulator 22, Tiny Tina's Wonder, uh, Wonderland, WWE 2K22. And th this is really funny, just considering the history of it. Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> the game that PlayStation pulled is now like, okay, you, we're, we're, we're putting it back. But hey, you are you sure you want to buy it? Just... Just test it out. Just here you go. I'm curious to know Noah's thoughts since he's not a PlayStation guy from an outside perspective. Yeah, I was going to say he's not a PlayStation guy, but I feel like instead of like looking out the window, he's kind of looking high in his castle because Game Pass is Game Pass. <laughs> so please, Noah, what's your thoughts? Well, I wouldn't say I'm that surprised that, that Sony isn't able to offer as good a thing that that microsoft did like that that just kind of feels it natural to me but yeah i'm not familiar with a lot of the games you're talking about so i'm, so I'm not sure not sure about that a few titles stood out though at god of war i was like all right so they've got something here and, and cyberpunk so yeah so it, i guess they they might make adjustments at after launch to like to figure like okay is this working is this not working but it, i wouldn't i wouldn't call it an answer to game pass because i i think that I mean, they realize that it's at least right now it's not realistic for them to match that fair enough i i wanted you're right ish like it's not like here is our game pass. This is more like here's our game pass when it first launched, like back in 2016, mm -hmm. 2017. Like 
in order to get to that level will take years and years. And then granted, when they get to that level, Game Pass will probably evolve even further. So, well, which I, I don't even think it's like a console thing. It's just how the business would work. I think you also need to remember the scale of the companies. Microsoft's also a much bigger company than Sony. But as Noah just alluded to, the I guess one way to look at this is the infrastructure is going to be there going forward. You know, the, the, the technical infrastructure for this to, be, to evolve is going to be established. If it comes out and nobody buys it and it's an absolute failure, then they might kind of, you know, backstep and say, oh, here's a couple of premium games that are coming out that are coming to this service to try and entice people to get on board. They might they might end up becoming more like Game Pass because because this might kind of crash and burn. I don't know. And I feel like it, the people I talk to in my life who do have PlayStation are very excited about this because just the... I feel like the announcement of this lineup is more of like enticing people for the extra. And that premium is like lacking. And going back to what you said about the PlayStation now, of how I viewed it, the streaming on that just wasn't really that good. And I have pretty good internet here. So it's just like that lag is just stressful. So hopefully, I, I don't know, maybe it was just a network thing. Maybe it's me. I don't think it's me, but <laughs> who knows? So, and just to uh, add further, so with the essential it basically the free uh games that you get each month that's only available for a month and then afterwards you can't download them anymore that will still be the first tuesday of the month the extra and premium will be in the middle of the month of new game announcements so hopefully fingers crossed like ratchet and clank rift apart comes on like snacks and it's Buck Snacks. Oh, uh, Daniel, they have an amazing theme song. I'll look it up. Hot take. It's better than the Pokemon theme song. <laughs> I want to be the very best. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Buck Snacks, they explain what the premise is. They're kind of bug. They're kind of snacks. It's Bug Snacks. What else do you need? No. What else do you need? But, uh, <laughs> but now I'm wondering. I feel like uh, Noah, you would probably know this more than me. With PlayStation Now, I feel like they used to have like the big games, like Hey, we have Spider Man, we have Control coming for like a couple months, and then it's off the service. Is there any like big games like that, like with Game Pass? I know like some things, like the smaller games and maybe one or two big games, but do they have like a monthly rotation? So I think so. I honestly, I'm not, I don't totally understand how it works because I, I don't play that many games, but yeah, I think so because like when I didn't renew my subscription, I lost access to, to the games I had. It wouldn't let me play infinite because it knows you, you were doing this through the past. So you know, like it didn't delete my data. I did. I couldn't access it. So, and I do believe that there are rotational games. Like when when Halo Infinite eventually does go out of style, I, they probably will phase it out. Which is why I hesitated to, to get it because because I was like, well, like if this is how I'm going to play Starfield, I'm not going to want to only play that for 
uh, two years or so, I'm going to want to play that for forever. Like I play other Bethesda titles. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I guess like it, as I try to gauge those things, I'll, I'll keep evaluating like it. Am I getting a worthwhile investment that out of game pass? Like, am I, am I getting a good enough return that I want to keep doing this instead of buying the games? All right. Fair enough. But even though that PlayStation plus news is done, guess what? We got another service. Ubisoft plus is coming to PlayStation. So on that same announcement, they announced that PlayStation plus is coming to PlayStation soon. However, when PlayStation, their new system unveils, what will be part of that is Ubisoft Classic. So they have about 20-ish games that will be part of the service, including Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Far Cry 3, South Park, both games, Star Trek, Bridge Crew, and a couple more will be there at launch with the new PlayStation Plus. And then at the end of the year, that will expand to 50. So if you don't know Ubisoft Plus, it is basically like their, you know, of course, gaming subscription. You get to play day one, all the Battle Pass, DLC, Season Pass, and every Ubisoft game you can play. But it's only on Stadium and PC, and I believe Amazon Luna. It is not on any consoles yet. We don't know when the full PlayStation Plus will be on Ubisoft Plus will be on PlayStation. I can we just have a new symbol instead of plus? Mm. It's very repetitive. Can we have like a star? Disney Star would have been a lot better than Disney Plus. I'm just saying. Anyway, and Ubisoft Plus is also coming to Xbox in the near future. Noah, what is your thoughts on this? So, uh, is this paid? Like, because like, I know there's like something like like EA Plus. It, it might be because when I when I go to play Fallen Order, what I'll as it's booting up, there will be some notification like if the disc isn't in that says playing through e EA Plus or or something like that. So, yeah. So I'm not. And I, there's nothing that says EA plus in my credit card statement. So, so I'm not sure like, what that means, but I know I'm not paying for it. So how it is. So Ubisoft, the classics collection will be a part of the new PlayStation plus. So it's not like you have to buy an additional service to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Once PlayStation Plus, their actual subscription service comes on that. Like, let's say I wanted to play Assassin's Creed. Why am I blanking on the name? Odyssey. Unless I buy the game, then I would have to play it via their actual subscription, Ubisoft Plus. Unless it goes on the Ubisoft Classics. Again, these two stories back to back, a lot of word repetition. Yeah, yeah, I'm still not really sure I get it. So so it's part of the, the plus deal? Yes. So you don't have to pay any extras for the classic edition. Is that on uh, is that on the basic tier as well? Is that not only on the extra tier? 
that's only on extra and yeah, premium. Yeah. What I don't understand, and maybe I can just look at the games again. So, of course, uh, Far Cry 3 was... Actually, you know what? It's remastered. So let me just get this up while I do that. Daniel, do you make sense of this? Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty straightforward. It's kind of just the same thing that PlayStation are doing with their classics. It's just it's it's, it's, it's like the PS Plus collection, but for Ubisoft. Um, the the most fascinating thing that I took away from it, though, in the midst of this acquisition war that's going on, a lot of speculation has been made. Will someone buy Ubisoft? And this, in my opinion, has made it very unlikely that Microsoft are going to buy Ubisoft since they've just jumped into bed with Sony. Um, I think that's quite an interesting aspect of it. It's not something like a lot of people are like, oh, well, Sony still haven't really came out with a response to Microsoft acquiring Activision. So could it be EA? Could it be Ubisoft? Could it be Konami? You know, whatever. This this is the kind of first hint we've had towards that. I wonder if maybe Ubisoft are testing the business relationship just now, seeing if they do want to go into a full merger with Sony or I don't know. I just maybe I'm looking too much into it, but that was my first reaction. Was oh, interesting. And Ubisoft are sort of signing up and jumping into bed with Sony. I wonder if it, it will come of that relationship. And I wonder how Microsoft feels about it because I would assume when it was kind of rumored that Ubisoft were up for acquisition, I would assume Microsoft were probably interested. So that's quite an interesting aspect of it, I think. So, what I'm understanding, um, I feel like it's going to be part of the extra tier because I don't see any Ubisoft game that's featured on there in the announcement is in that premium, AKA was on PlayStation one to PSP PlayStation three, even though like far cry three came on three sixty PlayStation three, it's the remaster, which I believe probably came on PlayStation four. So basically, yeah. you just got to pay uh, the, at least the extra. So it's just a couple more bucks than the essential. So, yeah. oh, no, pretty good deal. I mean, we're going to talk about video game villains. And this guy is not on my list because I have not played this game. But Voss from Far Cry 3, I've How always wanted to play. I just see this guy, like, he's on, like, the top of the top video game villains. Who knows? Maybe it's on Daniel Noah's list. I guess you'll have to find out. <laughs> but anything else about the uh, Ubisoft you guys want to touch around? Just to be curious to see if this does lead to any sort of acquisition um, of Ubisoft. I'm just, I'm way more interested in that at the minute than PS Plus stuff. But it's interesting to see the rest of the industry evolving around it. And what I'm also curious about. You know, we speak about these games streaming and what might come to it and stuff. But what if, let's say, there's I don't know any pub, any any developer. Let's just say I don't know, supermassive, right? So all supermassive games are, let's say, are on this on a streaming service. If you've got premium, you can stream until dawn and stuff. But what if Xbox turn around and buy supermassive? Will they, they will the games then get pulled from from the PlayStation service? Like, well, I guess supermassive are technically a third-party PlayStation sort of partnership, but just an example. Um, it'd be interesting to see what would happen, you know, if, if another merger deal happens down the line and one of these developers gets acquired by a rival corporation, will they then get pulled from that streaming service? 
I think that'll be quite interesting to see how that pans out. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But hey, on to the final news topic, which doesn't have the word plus at all. <laughs> so I'm very happy about that. God of War. So on the Global Accessibility Awareness Day, which I didn't know was a thing, but hey, that is awesome. PlayStation unveiled all the accessibility features for God of War Ragnarok, including uh, not really new footage. We've seen the footage before, but of course it looks it looked great when it first was shown. But it looks like, oh, this is ready to go. So the reason why this is part of the news, besides if you guys uh, remember when The Last of Us 2 came out, they had the same amount of accessibility. like tons and tons of stuff, which is awesome. And it's always appreciated to see that in gaming. But they did that during the final stages of Last of Us 2. I've been saying, like, you know what? Next year, we're going to get God of War Ragnarok. But, Daniel, does this news convince you that we might get it this year? I think that the team are aiming for this year. I think that Santa, Mo Santa Monica are aiming for 2022. I wonder if the reason that they haven't out and out said it, you know, or put out a trailer with a definitive release date is because maybe they're trying to save themselves the, I don't know if embarrassment is the right words, but they might be trying to save themselves the hassle of rescheduling it, you know, and delaying it. Um, I wonder if they're just trying to kind of stave that off and, you know, the, they, they, they think they can make 2022, but they're maybe not sure that they can. And that's why they've not officially put a trailer out with a release date on it. But the fact that this news is coming out, the fact that the thing looks ready, as you're saying, or at least sections of it do, and the fact that they changed their Twitter bio to say that they're the publishers of God of War Ragnarok coming 2022, I think all of that suggests that they do think this game will be ready for this, the end of this year, but they're maybe not just 100% yet, which is why we've not definitively been told you know a pre-order date or whatever mm -hmm. noah what's your thoughts so yeah i kind of agree with what dan's saying there they they maybe saw what the unfortunate starfield news and and then we're like you, you know let's just not announce a date we, we don't know let's just not give provide a date exactly so they i mean not date but of course, uh, when they announce Ragnarok is coming, which, as I'm saying that sentence, is very badass. <laughs> Ragnarok is coming. They just said 2021. I think they just did that just to like get hype uh, people up on PlayStation 5. But they're like, mm -hmm. hey, maybe 2022. And I just assumed like when you announce a date, like. I remember last year during E3, they announced Guardians was coming in October. E3 was in June. That's a couple months away. I'm like, what? Are you, are you sure about that? And then I'm looking at the 2018 God of War. That came out April 2018. Four months earlier, they announced it was coming out in April. So hmm. realistically... We could probably see a state of play in a month or two, 15 minutes, get people hype up, start the marketing campaign. And at the end, it would be like November 16th or 18th. God of Ragnarok is coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
totally. And I feel like if Ragnarok comes, again, out of context, that sounds very scary <laughs> and badass. Do you think this game has a chance to rival Elden Ring? Because I feel like there's... I, I, I'm looking at the second half. I feel like there will be great games coming up. Lots of great games. But to be that game of the year... Ooh. See... I, I find it really hard to compare them. Like, it depends what you're playing the game for. I don't like Souls games. I don't like Elden Ring because when I play a game, I want to be told an incredible story. I, the gameplay, yeah, if it's fun moment to moment, that helps. But I would much rather experience a detailed narrative like God of War, which maybe has, okay, it's got satisfying gameplay, but maybe not the most challenging gameplay, unless you're fighting the Valkyries, because they were a bitch to fight. But, um, <laughs> but, but besides that, you know, out and out, just playing through God of War in general, it's not, the, it's not as difficult as like a Souls game. But um, yeah, it's just got a way more kind of satisfying, detailed story. Elden Ring is famous. Those Souls games in general are famous for having the lore buried in these textbooks and all this extra reading you have to do. I'm not, life's too short. I don't have the time to sit and read through lore documents and shit. Like, unless it's in the game, I don't care. Um, so it depends on what you're going in for. You know, I think they're two totally different experiences. If you're looking for a detailed game that you can master and that you're willing to put all this time into and all the reasons that people love Elden Ring, then obviously you're going to favour that. If, like me, you want to just sit down after a long day at work and be told an interesting story, you're going to favour God of War. Like, uh, it's quite hard to compare them. Um, and I, I wonder how the outcome's going to be decided on and how how people are going to feel when, when the winner's kind of announced. On to our main topic... I'm surprised, and maybe like a, a year or two ago on this podcast, we probably did it, but different panel, different people. Gaming is great. I mean, the gameplay, the hero, but you know what really makes it? The villains. It doesn't matter what medium, comics, uh, books, gaming, movies, TV, real life people. Actually, no, not real life people. They're horrible. <laughs> but villains... We love them, so <laughs> in honor of that, we will be talking about our favorite villains from gaming. We're just going to pick two each, and then Audible mentions at the end. So Noah, let's start with you. Who is one of your favorite gaming villains? So one of my favorite gaming villains is the Gravemind from the Halo series. He's the, the collective consciousness of the flood. And, and that's really that's really one of the things I really like about the original Halo games. Like I like the appearance, especially in the anniversary edition of Halo 2. I'm like, man, that thing looks awesome. The, the dialogue's well, well written for it. And I like that it's it's not cliche. Like that's the main thing I, I like about those those old Halo games. Like they they don't need for everything to to symbolize something that there is a lot of symbolism, but they don't kind of they don't overdo it, and and they kind of rely on action, which is really what what I look for in sci-fi, like mainly action-driven things. Like wa watching that grave mind invade High Charity is one of my favorite missions. So yeah, that's got to be one of my favorite villains. Wow, I, I really thought you were going to say the villains from Halo were the uh, showrunners of the Paramount Plus show. 
Hey, oh, uh, Noah, I have not watched the Halo show, but everyone's buzzing that Master Chief lost his virginity. Okay. So live reaction. I, I have no clue. I've never played a Halo game. What? Hey, everybody was complaining that you didn't have his helmet on enough, but then you saw his other helmet, so it's fine. <laughs> Everything works in twos. It all balances out. <laughs> but the great mine, great pick. Daniel, what's one of your favorite gaming villains? So I'm glad that you specified that it wasn't real life people. Um, because I had yes. like Bobby, <laughs> I, I had Neil Druckmann and Bobby Kotick written down, so I better scrub them out. Um, <laughs> no, the first one I've got um is from a fairly obscure game, a super underrated game, I think, that came out must be about 10 years ago now for PS3, and it was Spec Ops the Line. Don't know if anybody's played Spec Ops Line, but at the time it came out in the midst of the sort of trash heap that was military shooters. Like we were getting Battlefield, and I think it was Battlefield Hardline was out the same year, and some college nonsense, and the third Advanced Warfare, Black Ops, or whatever the hell. Um, it was in that kind of oversaturation of military shooters this game came out but it was actually a really kind of detailed introspective game tackling themes like ptsd and questioning your orders and it went a lot deeper than you know a shooting gallery like most other military shooters um noah north voiced the protagonist and it was loosely based on heart of darkness which is the book that apocalypse now is also based on so it had shades of apocalypse now and shades of fight club um, and it followed these three soldiers on their way back from Afghanistan. And in this universe, Dubai has become somewhat of a no-man's land. And this ex-major in the US Army has taken over a section of Dubai and is essentially running a sort of uh, rogue uh, nation of soldiers. So you're, you're set to take this guy down and stop him. Spoilers, twist at the end is it's very much Fight Club, Tyler Durden, the, the general that you're going to kill has been dead for ages, and it's all in it's all in Noah North character's head. I can't remember what the main character's Walker, Cole Walker, something Walker. Um, generic again, generic military name. Um, and yeah, he goes all this way. He, he murders all these other soldiers. And it's what was really interesting about it is these games, these military games, when you're playing them, the villains you're shooting, or the villains, quote unquote war everybody's a villain but that's another topic but um when you're shooting the kind of rival soldiers it's usually like a russian accent you're hearing or a german accent or some sort of foreign accent this game you're shooting american troops you know okay they might have defected to this rogue nation or whatever but you're you're you know you're fighting other u.s army members so that was quite interesting um and then the deeper it went into that about question your orders who do you believe um how much how much responsibility do you take for the actions that you do on behalf of somebody else? It dealt with like the over-the-top deeds of the US Army, how like white phosphorus is used on some civilian areas, which is a thing that was that was being reported in real life at the time. Um, the game has a section where you have to walk through an area which you have just dropped white phosphorus on, and there's like women and kids lying all burnt, and it's it's super dark. Um, but again, totally unexpected at the time. Didn't expect to sort of have this level of kind of questioning your own having this existential crisis and um, playing this dumb military shooter and even though the villain of the game is in the player's head the way that um that the, the major's written and the way that he speaks to walker through the game and then that twist at the end that realization it doesn't feel cheesy or half-fisted it feels 
well implemented um, and then when you replay the game and you know that that's a twist there's a, certain things you can look out for in the lead up to it which also kind of only makes sense upon playing it for a second time um, and yeah just the idea of making the concept of PTSD the villain in this game was a, a stroke of genius and Spec Ops Line is a hugely underrated game if you've not played that I would I would recommend seeking out I think you can find it on Steam for like super cheap um, so if you've got some extra time and you've got like a ten or a burn, then I would say go and check it out. Awesome, good, very good pick. So for one of my favorite game pavilions, I, I was like think about it. I'm like, is this too basic? This person isn't even complex. It's just simple plan. But you know what? I gotta include Bowser from Super Mario. I mean, come on, that is like a V gaming villain and i'm not talking about like in this complex uh character study way but it's just like the general person like hey like if you just show like a bunch of bad guys to the general audience this guy is gonna stand out the most and his plan is simple i'm just gonna kidnap this princess is he in love with uh the princess i, I don't know but he hates his plumber Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes he just wants to go on vacation and just, you know, kill Mario. It happens, but what he lacks in, like, character, I mean, recently, he's a lot more funny in the games. Like, not to, um, I'm going to spoil it for Odyssey, but at the end, after the big fight, you're, you and Mario are fighting, and then Princess Peach actually just rejects both of you, which girl power and just Bowser's face of like pure shock is amazing. But his levels are some of the most fun. Like anytime you're battling against him, it's like, okay, this is a game in highlight for sure. And actually, it came speaking of Odyssey, like one of my favorite gaming moments of all time is when you take control of Bowser and you're like running out of his lair and everything's crashing down. That's so cool. What's some other things? The Galaxy series, when he throws, you know, asteroids and moons at you. Hey, come on. How can I not include that in the best gaming villains when he throws a moon at you? Yeah, I completely agree. Believe it or not, it I was prepared to say him if we were going to do uh, three, uh, three favorites. So, yeah, he's he's a perfect villain for for what it is, for what Super Mario is. He, I love how even back at like in Legend of the Seven Stars, he was the same. Like he's always been a joke villain. He wasn't even really the main villain of that game. It was this thing that most Mario fans have never heard of called the Smithy Gang was the villain of the first Mario RPG. Yeah, so, yeah, Bowser's a fantastic choice. Yeah, and especially in these RPG games like the Mario and Luigi's uh, Superstar uh, like series, he's so funny. Like, that's when they're like, okay, like the main Super Mario stuff, like a little bit of humor, but it's like great levels, but him, like, he's still an antagonist, but he's a funny one. Not the main one, but, you know, side one. But thank you, Noah, for agreeing with me. But Noah, who is your favorite gaming villain? So I had to dig for this one. So, yeah, so I did think of a good one. So 
the original Fallout game by Black Isle Studios was, of course, a classic PC game. And at the end, you fight this fantastic villain that's just called the Master, sometimes called the Master of the Super Mutants. And through the whole game, you were kind of getting bits of information that eventually like people could tie together and be like, okay, this is who this person is. And, like, this is how they started and how they ended up this way. So this person started out as a scientist called Richard Moreau living in a vault. And if I'm not mistaken, they were exiled because they committed a murder. So this brilliant scientist to kill someone is exiled from the vault, changes their name to Richard Gray for some reason, and lives out in the in the Mojave wastelands, as it's called in New Vegas. I don't remember if they call it that in the originals. So yeah, so then he goes on these adventures, runs up some circles, and discovers the forced evolution virus, which is abbreviated to FEV for modern Fallout fans. It's the disease that makes super mutants, essentially. So, yeah, it's... It, can you hear that? There's a siren. <laughs> I didn't hear that, but... I, no. right. Maybe right, well, they're just calling the emergency services. Maybe that's too hot of a take. I don't know. I thought you were going to say uh, Skyrim. Right, so, Are you... Yeah, this, is this happening okay, Noah? You didn't say Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, all right. so <laughs> just know that now we're in two minutes and there, there might be a siren. Okay. Hey, as long yeah. as they're not coming for you, um, we're all okay. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry about that. So, yeah, no worries. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, it, now there's a plane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What is right, happening well, in your neighborhood? <laughs> Sirens, right. planes. Is, are so you the real. game going, Noah? Are they coming after you? I, I sometimes wonder if I'm a game that. I might be. <laughs> well, maybe Ruby can save you. Yeah, I, I hope she does. Like she bursts through the door, says, "I'm here to rescue the, the Black Rose," and tell him that that Todd Howard said all his Bethesda theories are right. I'm like, all right, this is a nice, <laughs> nice way to segue into my adventure. <laughs> we pull out Daniel's just playing this game, and he's like, "Huh." <laughs> That's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what was I saying? Yeah. So this guy, Richard Gray, he he discovers FEV, and that's really the main plot of the first Fallout game is figuring out what the military was using this virus to do. And over his course of experimenting with it, he ended up as this blob of flesh sitting on top of a, a computer of some kinds that, that kind of like is this... It, yeah, it's this thing that generates uh, mutants, generates uh, the Mariposa strain of super mutants, and he's trying to take control of the wasteland with it. So he's this really cool-looking villain that you fight at the end. And and one of my Fallout theories actually does pertain to him that, that I'll eventually cover in the video. Awesome. Can't wait to hear that video. And glad everything's okay with you, Noah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Thanks, Noah. Daniel, who is your favorite gaming villain? Um, I don't know. You, you've now thrown me because you've just asked me my favorite. Is this my favorite? I don't know. Eh, best. But I mean, whatever you the, want to talk about. The, the second example I've got, you mentioned earlier, Vast and Far Cry 3. Um, the Far Cry games 1 and 2 were, were fun and somewhat 
a simple kind of basic way. There was a, a gameplay structure there, but the actual story wasn't too sort of detailed. The third one really elevated that, and a lot of that was through the villain um, of Vass, played by the fantastic Michael Mando, who has went on to be in Better Call Saul recently and did an amazing job this season in that show. And I'm excited to see follow his career and see what he does next. But yes, he he is Vass in Fallout 3, and he absolutely nails it. He does this thing where he dances between being an insane kind of pirate, you know, on a kind of surface level, but he's also this deeply messed up psychological villain as well on a more kind of paranoid level. And because of all that kind of combined, he's super unpredictable. There's a lot of sections of the game where, yeah, okay, it's a cutscene, so it's all predetermined, but you don't know what he's going to do next. You know, you generally feel like that at certain points. He is also more of a character. Far Cry has always kind of leaned on, well, since Far Cry 3, the formula has always been to lean more on the villain than the hero. You know, on the cover of each game, you've got the villain rather than, than the hero. So he's also responsible for that kind of mentality in the Far Cry games, which is a, quite an impressive legacy to leave. Um, obviously, Pagan Man in the fourth game, and then the American feature guy in the fifth game, the cult leader, and then in the new one, you've got Giancarlo Esposito, um, mm-hmm. who's in everything at the minute. But no, that's a bad thing because he's great. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of paved the way for for Far Cry, and I think it really kind of elevated that series in a big way because before then it was just a kind of generic first person Ubisoft shooter. But when you brought in Vass and you brought in this kind of intricate personality that you were up against, it kind of made the games a lot more interesting. I thought awesome, and I I honestly can't wait until I play Far Cry Three, the remaster that's coming out on PlayStation Plus. Because everything, like, you've definitely seen clips, like, the Insanity one is probably one of the most memorable moments in gaming history. Mm. I don't know what, I don't, I don't want to say top five, but I feel like just gut instinct. That's why I remember. So, yeah. Great list. Great yeah, some of those Some of those monologues in that game are, are really well written and incredibly acted as well, so. Awesome. So, I would say... Oh, yeah, again, not to throw you off, Daniel. Uh, favorite, best, it ain't the worst. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to say probably the most, my favorite slash one, like there's gaming villains that you love. There's gaming villains that you like sympathize with. I I just hate this guy. That's Edgar Ross from uh, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. So. In the game, so John Morrison, if you definitely played Red Dead Redemption 2, he definitely has a outlaw pass. But Edgar Ross, who is the head of, it's not officially the FBI yet, but soon to be, he takes John Morrison's wife and boy and is like, okay, I'm going to basically hold your family hostage. You have to uh, eliminate your own game. And you got to like, basically just take out people from the old west and he's already like a bad guy with that and then spoilers at the end you kill everyone that he asks you go back to your ranch you're just living your idyllic life that you had before and then all of a sudden Edgar Ross and a bunch of people on horses storm your ranch and they kill John Marcy whole I was shocked. R.I.P. John. R.I.P. John. 
And then if the game after that, like it's also one of the most satisfying kills because after that you play as Jack Marston, John's son, who's all grown up and takes revenge and kills Edgar. But man, I just hate this guy. Yeah. He's the worst. And just if you want to talk about the memorable gaming moments, I think the whole level at the ranch when you're trying to get uh, John wife's and kid um, out and keep them safe. And just the, like that one last stand, even though there's a bunch of. Uh, what do you call them? Like agents. Confederate soldiers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Conf uh, and Edgar, you're surrounded. You have no chance in hell, but you use your dead eye to try to take some people out. But you just get killed in a shootout. Yeah. What a moment. That that kind of just cements that legacy for me. And even though Red Dead 2 definitely had some great villains, mm. I think you just can't top Edgar. That's just my opinion. I think Butch in that first game, um was, what was really interesting about him, he he's a really interesting villain in gaming because you get to see both sides of him. You get to see him as the kind of the person you're chasing and the cool kind of first game is based around killing Butch and then the second game you see how he became the way he became and the decisions he made and did he did he go insane as he got older? Did he lose his his, his sort of humanity a wee bit? And that's an, that's a good all round character. Exactly. And I feel like with Butch, I, I wouldn't say sympathetic, but he's definitely a very complex character. Yeah, there, there's definitely like he, layers to him. Exactly. Like sometimes you just really hate him and some, sometimes I wouldn't say love, but you're like, yeah, I can get with this guy. But he like, has a certain charm. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like Edgar does like he embodies the themes of like Red Dead Redemption, even though they're trying to do with the uh, Old West. That element is still there and that ruthlessness and how John really can't get the American dream. Like there's no moment of sympathy with Edgar. And again, that shootout scene definitely cements him as the top villain in my eyes. Yeah. But that's just me. Guys, did you guys have any honorable mentions? I know Noah would have said Bowser, but I said that. Uh, yeah, so I thought about Bethesda villains. The, the thing with villains in those kinds of games, like they, they tend to be underdeveloped because they have no cutscenes. Like that, that format open world RPG makes it difficult to develop good, well, yeah, like to develop good villains. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of have to imagine what they might be like. And recently they've tried to find ways to develop them without cutscenes. Like there, there's the memory train with Kellogg and in Fallout 4, there's a lot of conversational dialogue. So yeah, and they try, but I, I have to say, like like I said, Richard Gray, because he's kind of the best developed one I could I could think of. So see, there's and there's also the element of you could debate like, is this person really a villain? Because because a lot of times if you choose in those games, you know, like you could ask like, you know, is Dark Cannabis really a villain? Uh, well, yeah, that, I think he is. He's a hero in my eyes, Noah. <laughs> It's morally uh, great. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's great to anti-hero more sensitives. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, any uh, honorable mentions for you? Yeah, so there was a few. Um, 
I was thinking of the Metal Gear Solid series because that has always been so known for its boss fights. But sadly, there's so many in Metal Gear that to pick one, I was finding really difficult. I was like, yeah, Revolver Ocelot, Psycho Mantis, Cyborg Ninja, you know, and then the whole thing about Metal Gear, the idea is that someone's only a villain when you don't see their side of the story, but when you see where they're coming from, then you start to see, oh, well, they've got their own ideologies and goals that they're using to justify their actions. So that that was quite, quite a, again, morally grey one that I wasn't really 100% on. The other one that came to my mind immediately was the Joker and the Arkham games, but as incredible as Mark Campbell is in those games, the Joker is more of a comic book villain rather than a purely a video game villain. So that's why I, I left him off, um, even though he's, he's, he's amazing in those games. And the last one that I had was GLaDOS from Portal. Um, mm-hmm. GLaDOS is as iconic. Some of her dialogue and the, the delivery of it is just super iconic at this point. But I just I just feel like she was edged out by Vass and, and the, the PTSD thing. But um, yeah, GLaDOS is a, an iconic villain as well in her own right. Exactly. Um, I do agree with you about the Joker, but if anyone said like the Joker, any like movie or comic character that like would have been in, like if you said like, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Uh, Doc Ock from Spider-Man? Hmm. What? Hell, it's your list. <laughs> I would be shocked if, like, yeah, for my favorite villains, I got to go with Spider-Man. <laughs> it's like, what? Why? But uh, for me, Doc Ock, definitely from uh, the original Spider-Man, Joker, as you said. If this one was close, uh, this would have been my number third if we did threes. Uh, Sephira from Final Fantasy VII and including Final VII uh, Remake. Playing him and like definitely, I know we've been talking about like the most iconic gaming moments. Sephira, I think, probably has at least two, if not one, especially him killing Aerith. Big spoilers, even though we spoiled like Red Dead Redemption and every other game, but yeah. Um, and probably the best video game music with One Winged Angel. incredible like it still gives me chills and any cover or any different version of that i'm all in in terms of one point angel fantastic movie but any other honorable mentions before we close this out guys i i think i always lean towards the more kind of theory villains because the other one i thought of was the monsters on silent hill but when you really think about it they're all fragments of james's guilt and imagination as silent hill too so does that count you know, um, but yeah, the, the fact I just realized the fact I spoke about PTSD from Spec Ops, and now I'm talking about the, the guilt that James feels from probably killing his wife in Silent Hill 2, um, manifesting itself in these these monsters. I, I find that quite interesting when instead of just being a guy with an agenda, it's more of a kind of idea that's that's the antagonist. I always find that quite interesting. So maybe Jane was the villain the whole time, maybe. That wraps up our episode for the King Gamer Podcast. A little shorter than we usually do, but still, I had a great time with you guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please look us on Spotify, five stars. It boosts us up in the charts, and we get more lovely people like yourself listening to us. We always have a great time. Please check out kinggamer.com. We have a lot of great articles. Dan, you have your review coming out around the time of this podcast dropping. It actually could be on the site right now as you're listening. 
So please check that out. And Noah, I know you have two great articles that just came out. Your five hopes slash predictions for Obi-Wan series and Jurassic World. Very good. And I can't wait to talk about Star Wars with you, Noah, especially. And all of the Darth Cannabis stuff. Is Noah not working on a Stranger Things one as well? Because I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's in the works. Uh, I'll finish that. I hope, yeah, sometime this week I'll finish that article. Yeah, and there, there's my YouTube channel. Right, I'm not sure what the next video will be yet. I'll probably go back to Elder Scrolls though. That's the Black Rose on YouTube. If you don't find it that like that, then just add the word Bethesda, and nice picture of a burning rose will come up. That I spent a week designing. It does look pretty good. Oh, kidding is I like it. Good job, Noah. Daniel, Thank where you. can people find you? You can check out the Pop Shock podcast. Um, we just recorded an episode today, um, which you can will be up by the time you hear this, hopefully, um, where we spoke about the upcoming Disney Plus Daredevil series and our sort of expectations Ooh. for that. And you can also check out, we did an episode a few weeks ago where we spoke about the biggest disappointments in gaming. Um, I've just finished a really meaty article, I think it was around 8,000 words at the end of it, which was the top 15 most disappointing games upon release. So things that might be good now, years later, but when they came out, were a huge letdown. Um, so yeah, check out that article. And uh, I'm sorry, no, there is a few Bethesda games on there. Um, and oh, you can also, <laughs> you can also, as, as as Mark said, just keep tuning for the the Sniper Elite Five review. I will be sharing that on my Twitter when it goes live. So if you want to follow me at Dan Boyd Nine Five for that. I mean, you talk about Jerlon uh, article, which is going to be great. I want to break the record for King Gamer and of having like the longest article. I want to rank every single Treehouse of Horror. Oh, ah, that would be a good be great. All yeah. 34-ish, or <laughs> at least 30. Do but you, knowing me, you... I'm going to be lazy. It'll be like one sentence, like, eh, I like the intro. <laughs> Next entry. <laughs> what, one sentence reviews. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just out of curiosity, Mark, do you know the longest article on King Gamer currently? No, um, as... Uh, I don't know uh, the status of this article, but I do know someone is actually doing uh, actually kind of uh, news that we didn't really announce. Um, we're doing uh, music articles on King Gamer. Yeah. So someone is actually doing top 50, 50 Kendrick Lamar songs. Again, this, uh, this author is doing it. It could change, but... I'm definitely curious to hear that because mm, I love too. Kendrick. But again, please check us out at kinggamer.com. Lots of great stuff, including music now. I'm your host, Mark Callahan, and I hope you guys have an awesome day. Bye. Bye.